So our reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through to 35 and you can find that in page 985 in the church Bibles or 1499 in the large print version. And this is the, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Thanks, Steve. Good morning to you all. Well, last week we started um, a new series in chapters 18 to 20 of this Gospel of Matthew. Um, and we're focusing on what Jesus teaches his disciples about how they should uh, follow him, how they should behave. What are the values of the kingdom of God? Last week we looked at the value of humility. And over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, some of these other values. Um, faithfulness, sacrifice, grace, and servanthood. But this morning we're going to be looking at this uh, very important value of forgiveness. I'd just like to start by reading from this book, uh, which uh, hopefully many of you will have by now. I'm a church member by Tom Reiner, and uh, he, writes, he writes the following. We began our prayer time with no words spoken aloud. We were taking time to talk to God before we verbalized our prayers for others to hear. But every time I pr- tried to pray, my mind went back to my high school years. Every time, the teacher's face would appear in my mind's eye. It was so strange, but I couldn't pray. You see, the teacher had physically abused me. I'd kept a secret and told no one. I was ashamed, angry, and unforgiving. 
I realized what God was doing. If God was to use me as his instrument in the church, I had to forgive the teacher. So I told my fellow prayer warriors and asked God to forgive me for the sin of not forgiving. Then I forgave the man who had hurt me many years earlier. The moment was liberating. My prayer life opened again and God began to use me in unexpected ways. I would soon leave the church and my business job. God called me to vocational ministry and it all began with forgiveness. I'm sure many of you will have stories of um, those who've caused you much hurt and pain, found it difficult to, to forgive. And some may have experienced that same sense of release that uh, Tom, Tom Rayner felt when he was able to forgive the person who had abused him. Others may be still carrying that around with them, unable to forgive. As we said last week, the great news as we go through this series of values is that it's not coming up with a benchmark of behavior that we, we have to pass somehow in order to become acceptable to God. As Christians, we accept that we are failures, that we, we get it wrong all the time. And the only reason we are acceptable to God, who is holy and perfect, is because he's been willing to forgive us. And we've accepted his gift of forgiveness. Forgiveness is of heart of faith. If we've truly understood our need for forgiveness, we will always struggle to forgive others. And that's what this parable of Jesus is all about. Have we understood what forgiveness is about? Well, the passage starts with one of the disciples, Peter, asking this question. Uh, if you've got a Bible open there, uh, do turn to it. Um, but some of it will appear on the, the screen behind me. He asks this question. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, he's assuming there must be some sort of a reasonable limit to forgiving someone if they keep on offending you. Um, and he thinks he's been quite generous by suggesting seven times. But Jesus puts him in his place when he says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. But which doesn't mean once you get to the 78th time, then you have to forgive them. Um, he's saying that if you're counting the number of times you have to forgive somebody, um, you haven't understood forgiveness. There's no limit to how many times we should forgive someone because there's no limit to how many times God forgives us. On the one hand, that, that's great. There's no limit to the number of times God forgives us. But on the other hand, it makes it pretty hard for us when we find it hard to forgive somebody else, maybe even just the once. So let's see what Jesus teaches us in this passage about what forgiveness is and then how we can learn to forgive others, even when it feels hard. And just to say, one, a little book I found very helpful in preparing this sermon is this one by Jane Marsden called uh, Forgiveness. A uh, great one. I'm sure you can order it through the bookstore if you have a word with, with Charles. So what is forgiveness? Well, first of all, it's the cancelling of a debt. Jesus teaches his disciples by telling them a story. And this is the story he tells them. It starts, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, 10,000 bags of gold is a huge amount to owe someone. In today's terms, uh, we're looking at millions of pounds. We don't know how he accumulated that debt, but it doesn't matter. Somehow it needs to be repaid. And Jesus is using this image to describe the debt that we owe God. And our debt is the accumulation of all the things that we've done that have gone against God's perfect instructions. All the selfish thoughts, all the things we've done, all the things we haven't done, which we should have done. Um, all the times we've lived without any regard for God, any gratitude for what he's done for us. And the point of the story is even selling his wife and children and all he had, the servant in debt would never have been able to repay it. And it's the same with God. There's nothing we could ever do to repay the debt that we have with God. But here comes the good news. It's on the screen behind me. Because when the servant begs for mercy, we are told in verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. It's just like the king destroys the record. The debt is gone. It's wiped out. Just like that. It's the same when God forgives our debt. Romans 4 says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. When God forgives us, it is over, it is finished. Which is why we're called to forgive others, but we'll come back to that. Forgiveness is the cancelling of a debt of someone who accepts their guilt. Now, sometimes when we've wronged someone, then we try and justify our actions. We maybe come up with excuses. Um, but forgiveness is when you admit your guilt, but your debt is still cancelled. The servant admitted his debt. Um, he didn't try and check the amount he owed or, or wriggle out of it. Uh, he, he knew he was in debt. And he actually offered to try and repay it over a long period of time. But realistically, he would never have been able to repay that. And so when the master cancels the debt, he says thank you and goes off free. Forgiveness requires us to accept our guilt. Otherwise, it would be like going to a concentration camp guard and saying, I forgive you for what you did to me. And they could just say, well, I was following orders or actually it wasn't me or um, no, it didn't really happen. You're imagining it. But in that case, forgiveness hasn't taken place because the offending person hasn't accepted their guilt. It's been offered by the person offended, but it hasn't been received. And it's the same with Jesus. He offers to forgive each one of us for the way in which we have sinned against him. And if we say, well, I don't know what you mean. I'm a fairly decent person. Um, Then forgiveness hasn't taken place. It's been offered by Jesus but not received by us so forgiveness is the cancelling of a debt of someone who accepts their guilt by someone who chooses to have mercy the king chose to forgive his servant the servant who had been forgiven chose not to forgive his fellow servant 
the servant admitted his, his debt, but we're, we're told the king had pity, he had mercy on him, and he let him go. Mercy is forgiving someone who doesn't actually deserve it. And that's why there's no limit to forgiveness, because the person doesn't deserve to be forgiven in the first place. God never says, oh, okay, that's enough forgiveness for you. you know, you've run out of the times, so I'm going to forgive you. There's no limit to his mercy. Sometimes we might think of forgiveness as, as an emotional thing. Um, you forgive when your emotions are settled enough to be able to. And clearly, depending on the offence, it can cause a huge emotional burden. There's been great anger as a crime, great a sense of injustice that has been committed towards you. And you don't want to downplay the pain that you are going through. But the Bible doesn't give that as a reason for not forgiving. Jesus suffered more pain than, than anyone. The creator of the universe hung on a cross, the most painful way of dying you can imagine, having lived a perfect life, having showed love to all those he came into contact with, done no wrong, and yet he was still able on that cross to pray to his father, to look at those who were killing him, and say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Both the king and the servant who had been forgiven had a choice. The king chose to forgive. What about the, the servant? What does he do? Well, he, he goes to someone who owes him a trifling amount. Uh, apparently scholars have calculated it to be one six hundred thousandth of the debt that he was forgiven. So it's like he was uh, forgiven a debt of six million pounds and he goes to someone who owes him a tenner. And it says he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And the fellow servant does exactly what he did with his master. He fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But how does the servant respond to this plea for forgiveness, for mercy? He says he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. He made a choice. He refused to forgive. Forgiveness is the cancelling of a debt of someone who accepts the guilt by someone who chooses to have mercy. And someone whose goal is reconciliation. Last week we looked at um, what happens when one Christian sins against another, how we're told to, to go to that person, to, to challenge them. And there's a process for how you, you sort that out. And that's set out in the Bible. But ultimately we said the goal is not going to that person and somehow making them feel really bad, humiliating them. It's about reconciliation. It's about restoring. We don't want anyone to, to wander, to stumble. to um, We want to help them. And essential to that process of reconciliation is forgiveness. You can't be truly reconciled with your, uh, your fellow Christian if you hold a grudge against them. If you feel there's an unpaid debt. Jesus didn't just come to forgive us. He came to forgive us so that we can be reconciled to God the Father. To restore our relationship with him that had been broken by our rebellion. And we cannot therefore call ourselves a Christian if we've accepted that gift of forgiveness, but we are unwilling to forgive others. 
And the parable shows just how strongly God feels about that. Have a look at verse 31. It says, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. They went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness is the cancelling of a debt of someone who accepts their guilt by someone who chooses to have mercy and whose goal is reconciliation. Well, hopefully that helps us understand a bit more about what what forgiveness is as Jesus taught it to us. But practically, how do we then forgive others? Because that's often the hard part, isn't it? But when we, we have been wronged, it's easy, isn't it, to dwell on that injustice, to to keep replaying in our minds the, the event or the series of events that, that offended us, that caused us that that pain. The person's face may keep coming to mind. And the more we think about it, the more bitter we become. What do we do in that situation? Well, in the parable that Jesus tells us, there are, there are two stories. One is about the massive debt that the king cancels for the servant, which, as we've said, is a picture of the mercy we've received from, from Jesus. And that's the story we need to keep replaying in our minds. That's the one we need to focus on. We need to see ourselves on our knees begging for God's mercy and remembering the joy, the release, the freedom of having that massive debt wiped out, being able to walk free, or being able to enjoy that relationship with God himself. When we focus on that, then everything else falls into its rightful place. We get a right idea of scale. If you've ever seen a a container ship um, close up, it's massive. But then you see that container ship in the middle of the ocean, and it's tiny. However great is the offense that has been caused to you, and it may be great, it may feel like a container ship, The focus on the ocean of offense that God has forgiven you. The problem with the servant was that he he failed to focus on how much he'd been forgiven and instead allowed that tiny debt that he was owed to become huge in his eyes. Once we fully appreciate how much we have been forgiven, we can be transformed into those who forgive others. Secondly, remember Jesus' humility. As we said at the outset, the world doesn't value forgiveness. It's more about my rights. If you've done something to me, I will do something to you. And so many films have as their their central theme, vengeance. There's a website that has the 50 best revenge films of all time. And many of them have titles that are not even subtle. Um, Unforgiven. Payback. Lady Vengeance, V for Vendetta. How many films can you think of about forgiveness? Unfortunately, there are some. Um, Unbroken tells the story of uh, an American Air Forceman who is shot down in the uh, Pacific in the Second World War. Some of you may have seen it. Um, and after surviving on a raft for 47 days, 
um, he's picked up by the Japanese. He's taken to prisoner war camps uh, where he was brutally beaten by a uh, statistically cruel Japanese uh, officer. Amazingly, he survives, and um, uh, after the war, he, he goes back to America, and, um, but has terrible PTSD. Uh, he, he finds his solace in alcohol, um, and coming up with ideas in his, his mind to get his revenge on that Japanese officer caused him so much pain. And then he goes to um, a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles in, in 1949, and he hears of the salvation that Jesus Christ offers. And he's rescued from his downward spiral. His nightmares stopped, and he gave up the alcohol. And his desire for vengeance um, left him. He was able to go back to Japan. He went to the prison where a lot of these uh, Japanese prisoners, prison guards were, were held. And this is what he said to them. It is only through the cross that I can come back here and say this. But I do forgive you. And as a result of his witness, all but one of them became Christians. Forgiveness is a really powerful testimony to God's forgiveness. So why do we sometimes find it hard to forgive? Or put it another way, why do we sometimes find it easy to be offended? Last week we looked at the value of humility. Uh, have you noticed how humble people are not easily offended? Humble people may be wronged, but they don't get worked up about it. But proud people do, um, because they're so focused on how they are treated, getting what they want, things being done their way. And because such people are more easily offended, they also find it harder to forgive. And part of that may be a sort of control thing. I've been hurt, and I want that person who hurt me to suffer for as long as possible, so they know just how much they've hurt me. Or you, you may wallow in the hurt, but you, you keep a record of it. Maybe your husband or wife had a, a moment of, of weakness. They were unfaithful. They've repented. They've asked for your forgiveness. And you've said you've forgiven them, but whenever you have a disagreement or a problem arises, you, you pull out that card again. What about that time? An unwillingness to forgive can destroy a marriage. Alan and Jacqueline haven't uh, uh, celebrated 60 years of marriage without having to forgive one another from time to time. It can cause great division in the church where people have been hurt by something somebody's said, um, something they've done. And instead of dealing with it, they just ignore it. They ignore one another. They carry on and not, don't acknowledge one another. They're not willing to forgive and seek reconciliation. Well, that is not how Jesus behaved, is it? And if that is us, we need to repent and ask for his forgiveness. But finally, as we finish, there's just uh, there's one final thing we mustn't overlook, and that is justice. Now, we've been made in the image of God. And that means if God is a just God, there's a sense of God's justice in us. And those films of vengeance I, I mentioned somehow play to our sense of justice. Where they go wrong is that people take justice into their own hands. Um, whereas God says, trust in my justice and what Jesus' parable here doesn't tell us is what happens to that debt that is cancelled. Because if you just wipe it out, then there's no justice, is there? How can God simply wipe off all our debt towards him, all those sins we've committed? How can he simply forget them as if we never committed them? 
surely they can't have been that huge if he, he can just write it off like that. Well, the answer is that the debt has been paid. But it's been paid by someone else. It's been paid by Jesus Christ. The reason why Jesus could say, Father, forgive them, is because the sacrifice of his life was sufficient to pay for the debts of the whole world. His life wasn't just good, it was perfect. He never sinned, and that is why his sacrifice was enough to wipe out the sins of all of us. And so the question I want to leave you with as we finish is, are you willing to accept that you need to be forgiven by God for leading your life without reference to him as if he didn't exist? Because he wants to forgive you. He wants to be your father. He wants to love you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son to deal with your sin. And if you have known his forgiveness already, is there still, is still a hurt in your life that you are holding on to that you've not let go of? Somebody that you've been unwilling to forgive? Or can I urge you to take it to the cross, to leave it there? And let God deal with it and enjoy his peace. Let me finish with the words from Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let's have a moment of quiet just to reflect on what we've heard and what God may be saying to us and uh, for you, give you a chance to respond to him. A moment of quiet before we sing our final hymn. Father, we thank you for that great debt that uh, we have towards you which you have been willing to, to wipe out, to cancel, to forgive. And as we think of, of that and just how grateful we are to you, Lord, we do pray that you would enable us to forgive others for the many offences they may cause us. Lord, help us to see them in their right perspective and give us the grace that you have shown towards us that we may choose to forgive others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.